Hello, everyone, and welcome back to EpiCentral. I'm your host, Maddie Lewis, infectious disease epidemiologist. And in today's episode, I am interviewing with CSTE. Some of you may not know what CSTE is. They are a very important organization in the field of public health, especially in epidemiology. So if you're interested in becoming an epidemiologist, that's what you plan to do. you got to listen to this episode. They explain really everything. And we talk a lot about the Applied Epidemiology Fellowship, which is a very popular fellowship that epidemiologists complete right after their Master of Public Health degree. Um, which is really helpful. I get a lot of questions, you guys, of people asking about getting jobs after your MPH, and this is an amazing option. Okay, so without further ado, let's get into the episode. Okay, hello, Heather and Jessica. Thank you so much for taking this time to interview for EpiCentral. Jessica, do you want to introduce yourself, give your name, background, role at CSTE? Love to, Maddie. Thank you. So my name is Jessica Arizola. I am the Director of Educational Strategy at CSTE, or the Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists. I've been here almost nine years, and I started out as a program analyst supporting our informatics training programs, and my portfolio evolved over time to also support our epidemiology capacity assessment tribal epidemiology, as well as our applied epidemiology competencies and our mentorship and leadership programs. So I've had a variety of experiences while being at CST. Heather, do you want to introduce yourself as well? Absolutely. Thanks, Maddie. Um, I'm Heather Martinez. I am class of 18 CSTE Applied Epidemiology Fellow currently. My background is a little bit it's a little bit convoluted how I got into epidemiology. I'm a veterinarian by trade um, and did some practicing in small animal medicine for a few years um, before going back um, to school, getting a master's in public health and falling in love with epidemiology. Um, So as a CSTE fellow, um, I work at the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, which I'm gonna abbreviate as CDPHE throughout the rest of the conversation, just because that's way fewer syllables. Um, I am a fellow in infectious disease um, and I'm working with the state public health veterinarian, um, the zoonotics program and the food enteric and waterborne disease programs, as well as the COVID-19 response. That's amazing that you have a veterinarian background. I always like to tell people on TikTok, veterinarians in public health are really important because a lot of the diseases that we do surveillance over are zoonotic, and that information is very applicable. So that's really cool. So what is CSTE, and what are the main functions of the organization? So CSTE is the Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists. We're a member association of applied epidemiologists working mostly at state territorial, local, and tribal health departments, with some representation from our federal partners, the private sector, and academia. We're the professional home for epidemiologists working in governmental agencies. And some about our history is that the council was formed at the request of CDC's Alexander Lanier to convene the state epidemiologists to list the nationally notifiable diseases and conditions back in 1951 including the corresponding case definitions, which is a function we continue to maintain today. 
CST also serves as a convener and facilitator of communities of practice where epidemiologists are able to share their experiences, lessons learned, collaborate on national projects. And it really comes down to our being mission-centric of supporting effective public health surveillance and epidemiologic practice through training, capacity development, and peer consultation, as well as developing standards for practice, promoting effective use of epidemiology data to guide public health practice and improve health, and also advocating for resources and scientifically based policy. Where exactly do they fit in the public health sector? So does CST work with CDC? Um, They obviously are partnered with a lot of health departments. So like, yeah, where in the sector do they fit? Yes, so we have many partners. That's one great asset of being at CSTE is that we work across the different levels of public health. Um, So CSTE is actually recognized as one of the four big public health nonprofit organizations, similar to ASTO or the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials, NACHO, the National Association of County and City Health Officials, and APHL, or the Association for Public Health Labs. And we do receive most of our funding through a cooperative agreement with CDC. So through that work, we're able to work closely with our federal partners at CDC, but then also really working at building capacity at the state, territorial, local, and tribal health department level through our membership activities. So we engage our members through education and training, collaborating on developing and sharing best practices, so what's working in the field, as well as crafting that policy through our position statement process, which goes back to developing the nationally notifiable conditions and those corresponding case definitions, and then also advocating for resources to support the epidemiology workforce and overall public health infrastructure. Uh, Even before COVID, we were up in DC um, advocating for additional funding and resources to support modernizing our um, information infrastructure at supporting public health so that we would have better, more timely data to inform our decision-making processes. So where is CSCE located? You mentioned DC. Is, is there a headquarters somewhere in the U.S.? CST is headquartered here in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, that makes sense, along with CDC. Yes, right down the street. So obviously this podcast focuses a lot on how to become an epidemiologist. And the main reason I wanted to interview CSTE is to talk about the fellowship program. So will you speak on what the fellowship program is and kind of give a general overview for that training program or other training programs at CSTE? Sure, I can provide a general overview and I'm sure Heather can speak more about AEF. Um, CSTE offers several training programs for both recent graduates and working professionals. So first of all, we have a mentorship program for current students and early career professionals. We also have our Applied Epidemiology Fellowship for recent graduates looking to pursue applied epidemiology careers in health departments, which Heather is part of. We have an Applied Public Health Informatics Fellowship Program that we're recently reviving, um, and that's specific for those pursuing public health informatics careers at health departments. And then as we look more about upskilling the existing workforce, we also offer a data science team training program for existing health department employees looking to improve their data science and informatics skills. 
And we have also now in our second cohort of the, our leadership program, CST LEAD, Leading Epidemiologist Advancing Data, which really is targeted at providing leadership training for mid-level epidemiologists at health departments. Okay, so there's several different training programs. And is there kind of a main one? I know the main one that I've heard of is the Applied Epidemiologist uh, Fellowship Program. Yes, our Applied Epidemiology Fellowship Program is our flag flagship training program. Um, we are recruiting now for our 20th cohort, so our 20th class. So we're at our 20th anniversary, which is amazing, and our graduates have gone on to do amazing things and become leaders in Applied Epidemiology. That's awesome. So what does the timeline look like for CSTE fellowship? So you said you're taking applications right now. Is that right? For the Applied Epidemiology Fellowship, we're currently in our interview stage of recruitment and for fellows that would be starting this summer. In general, the Applied Epidemiology Fellowship recruitment cycle for fellows usually begins in November and the application closes in early January. And then we have a period for application review and interviews, usually between March and April, and then a matching phase before they would actually be accepted and start into the program in the summer. Okay, great. So that's the overall timeline of the application for the applied program. So what are the structures and the details of this program? Like how long is it? How long is the fellowship? Where are you sent to go work as a fellow? Um, do you attend conferences, additional training? And what are all those little details? I can provide some administrative perspective, but I'm sure Heather can add some about her own experience. Um, but the Applied Epidemiology Fellowship is a two-year fellowship program where the fellows are placed at a state, local, territorial, or tribal health department, um, usually on a specific subject area, which can vary from infectious disease to maternal child health, um, environmental and social justice, uh, opioids or overdose surveillance. So a wide variety. Um, the number of fellows we accept each year and in the certain areas uh, usually depends on the host sites we receive as well as available funding. Um, throughout the two years, the fellows are required to achieve a set of core competencies that outlines things like completing an outbreak investigation, um, evaluating a surveillance system. And through that, it's a practice-based training. So during their training program, they do receive mentorship from experienced epidemiologists. Typically, it can be the state or deputy state epidemiology epidemiologist or another senior epidemiologist at the health department. And so not only are they allowed to and encouraged to try new things and take initiative, but they're learning by doing, which is so important for mastering those skills. In addition to the day-to-day -day work, they do receive professional development stipends to support attending conferences and trainings. They also receive sponsorship to attend the CST annual conference each year. And lastly, they do have peer-to-peer -peer monthly calls where they're learning from each other across the cohorts. Um, Heather, what would you add? 
I think that sums it up really nicely, Jessica. My my experience has been um, really fantastic. I've done a really wide variety of things um, in the field, um, and I've had really really good support um, while I'm getting my feet wet, so to speak, in epidemiology. Um, the two years is um, depending on on what program you're in and and where you are located in your agency. Uh, it goes by real fast fast, <laughs> but it's also um, longer I've, I've heard than most fellowships, which is fantastic because you have a lot of time to work on getting those competencies completed and then kind of growing outside of those competencies where your interests lie um, and what's going on kind of at your department um, in real time. So I would say that the two-year fellowship timeline is um, a huge bonus for this program. The advantage, it seems like the advantages of doing a CSTE fellowship versus just going and working in a health department um, without the fellowship, it seems like you're getting a lot of extra support, extra professional training, as well as stipends to be able to participate in professional conferences and other activities. So Heather, what drove you, uh, I mean, I just mentioned some advantages, but are there any other things that kind of drove you to apply to this fellowship? instead of just taking a more traditional route and just going and working at a health department? Um, I, my, because my route to epidemiology was a little bit, like I mentioned, um, different than traditional. Um, for me, it was really about getting some experience in a mentorship environment. Um, I had really good mentors as a veterinarian and I knew that that was something I was really gonna need as I was changing fields. Um, and so when I was starting my last semester um, in my MPH, I really, you know, I was kind of looking at different job opportunities um, and openings that the school had shared. And I really didn't know what many of them were or what it actually looked like to work in epidemiology um, in general, but especially for um local and state government, I just really had no idea what that looked like. And it was really scary to think about applying for a job that I didn't even know what I would be doing. Um, so it made a lot of sense for me as a new career um, epidemiologist to get some guided training and get a wide variety of different epidemiological experiences to help kind of navigate my path um, in public health and epidemiology. Heather, I'm wondering what does your day-to-day -day look like as a fellow and does it look very different from your, your coworkers at the health department who are not CSTE fellows? Um, that's a, a really good question. And I, I can touch a little bit on my day-to-day, -day, mostly just to say that it, it really changes a lot based on what's happening. Um, and what departments you're working in. So my um, first year of my fellowship, I was focused very primarily on COVID response. Um, and so that day-to-day -day of being a part of that outbreak management and response team looks super different now than what my day-to-day -day looks like um, working more with the zoonotics and the food enterics and waterborne disease programs. So it, it really depends on who you're working with and also seasonally. Um, zoonotics uh, investigations um, calm down a little bit in the winter time. There's not a lot of wild animal activity. 
um, happening, especially in Colorado. That's not, I know that's not true in many different parts of the country, but here anyway, it's a little bit calmer. Um, but we in food and waterborne and enterics um, tend to see higher numbers of things like norovirus outbreaks. So it's a little bit busier for that team or no, I won't say busier, but it's definitely not as slow um, as it is for a program like zoonotics. So it really changes based on what's happening um, and what new or exciting thing is developing that you get pulled into, um, which is really, really fun. I really like the changing and the day-to-day kind of, you know, I I never know if I'm going to be out doing an environmental investigation um, or working on a case interview. Um, when I start my week on Monday, I'm not entirely sure how it's going to go. And that's really fun, um, to get to wear different hats and experience, um, multiple departments in the state health department. Um, so I, I do think that my day to day is quite different than my fellow coworkers who are not fellows, um, because I'm jumping between teams sometimes. Um, but there are, there's a couple of other fellows at CDPHG, um, and there's also an EIS officer and other um, like preventative medicine fellows here. So there is a community of fellows, especially in, at CDPHE, of folks doing kind of similar projects and training. Okay, that makes sense. So you get to float between teams and kind of try on different hats, whereas a traditional health department worker who's not a fellow, they might just be working on one team and kind of getting less, well, the same experiences, but experience only on one type of team, probably practicing only one type of epi. Potentially. Um, And I I am a little bit, well, I I can't really speak to that because I've never done that before. (laughs) So I think that's kind of the impression that I get is that when you're hired on for a specific role, you fill that role. Um, I will say there's a lot of crosstalk at the state health department. So it's not, you know, you may still get to hear about and potentially may be um, involved in other things as a a permanent employee, but I think it's less common depending on, again, what's happening. Great point. Yeah. Um, I'll say my experience really quick. So I worked at my state health department for two years part-time as a student. And I know for the part-time and the full-time people working there, there was less ability to move between different teams because we were, we were asked to only work within our grant. And if your grant was food net or like if you were under emerging infections program or like a, a different grant, you could mainly only do work within that with the exception of COVID or some kind of large-scale outbreak like there was a measles outbreak and that was all hands on deck but um, and then at my new job I don't work at my state health department anymore but I do practice the same type of applied epidemiology I'm a surveillance epidemiologist and at this job it's very similar but we have a bit more ability to move between teams. And there are positions that are, we call them like floater positions where somebody's working on multiple teams and what their workload entails on each team depends on the need from the team. So if one team's more behind, 
they kind of go more for that. So, so yeah, it definitely depends on where you work. Some workplaces, if you are a salmonella epidemiologist, that's all you will do for the most part. Other health departments I know will be a bit more flexible, at least from my experience. So Jessica, I'm wondering what are the salary and benefits look like? Do they do they kind of change between your placements or are they consistent across all applied epi fellows? Okay, so the salary and benefits, we have a training stipend that all fellows receive, and it is the same amount regardless of your placement, with the exception of there is a higher amount for doctoral level fellows. And so um, we've tried, we've updated it recently with the increase in cost of living and been able to offer some bonuses for overtime with COVID, um, but it is a training stipend across um, all positions. Okay. And if you don't mind sharing, what is that stipend for summer 2010, summer 2022? As of this last year, we've updated it. And so the master's level stipend is $49,500 and a doctoral level fellow is $64,900. And then in addition to the stipend, we do provide a reimbursement for health insurance of up to $370 per month, um, moving and relocation expenses of up to $1,000. And then each year, each fellow will receive $970 for professional development in addition to their sponsorship to the CST annual conference. So it seems like CST mostly does work within infectious disease epidemiology. Does the organization do any work in chronic disease epi, like cancer, mental health, cardiovascular disease, for example? Yes, we are heavily engaged across all topics in CSCE, um, not just infectious diseases. Well, that's had the most attention in the last couple of years. Um, we do have a broad portfolio focused on substance use and injury prevention and surveillance, as well as maternal and child health, especially um, preparedness, as well as um, expanding our opportunities options for mental health and genomics um, and our health equity work, especially with our tribal epidemiology subcommittee. Um, the challenge is that most of those projects, there's a few of those epidemiologists working in some of those areas, especially genomics and mental health. However, um, there is an interest in that, in growing that capacity across members. And so we do our best to support learning and sharing of best practices. And then as funding is available. Um, so for example, they have the overdose data to action grant that was out the last few years. We were able to really build capacity in injury surveillance epidemiologists focused on overdose and opioid use. So um, we've been able to really grow in that portfolio, but we are definitely not exclusive to just infectious disease. We cover all areas. And Maddie, I would add to that just for an example. Um, I'm one of four CSTE fellows at CDPHE. I'm the only one in infectious disease. The other three, I believe, are in maternal and child health, um, injury prevention, and substance abuse, I think. That's really great information to know, Heather, because when I've seen comments from students on TikTok, I do see a lot of questions about chronic disease epi, 
it's something that a lot of students are interested in, but don't exactly know the opportunities because the representation um, on media, it just, it focuses a lot on infectious disease epi. And I think chronic disease epi kind of goes less noticed, especially in the last couple of years with the pandemic. So that's really great that CSE has that fellowship for opportunity for people wanting to go into chronic disease epidemiology. Do you guys have anything else you want to add about this specific fellowship and like the structure of the program? I can just give a quick shout out to the the stipends um, and the conference reimbursements and other benefits. Um, that has been really awesome as I continue to network and get experience and um, being able to go to different conferences, um, especially not ideally, but especially now that a lot of conferences have been virtual, they've been less expensive to attend. Um, so I, I would just give a plug for the, the additional benefits besides the amazing mentorship and support. Um, it's a really a, an awesome um, package deal. Um, to get to be reimbursed for professional development expenses. And that includes things like textbooks and, like I said, conference attending attendances and um, organization memberships. And um, I took a, a Spanish class that I was able to get some reimbursement for. So um, it's a really, really cool program to be able to tailor um, exactly what you want to get out of it um, and have the ability to um, afford some of that stuff. So we already talked about some of the benefits of completing a CSE fellowship. So do you, Jessica, do you have any data kind of showing the benefits? Um, so like people who are graduating out of the fellowship program and kind of the things that they do afterwards? Yeah, so in our most recent graduate classes of graduates, um, all of our fellows have actually found professional opportunities, including jobs, or they've been accepted to say a degree program to further their education um, before finishing the fellowship. And then about 70 to 80% of our alum actually continue to work within the health department setting. So it could be at their um, current health department or move to another one if they need to relocate. And those are typically at the EPI 2 or EPI 3 position levels. Um, so it really goes to show how rigorous the training of the two years in the fellowship is to prepare them for those opportunities. Um, oftentimes, all mentors really want to keep their fellows at their health department, but sometimes on circumstances out of their control, whether it's funding or other obstacles in the hiring process, um, don't allow them to actually offer those options. So some do go find job opportunities at other health departments or in other sectors. Um, we do have a few that go into the nonprofit and for-profit public health sectors. And then in some of our older classes, they've had a few more years of experience now. We've had several graduates who have go on to lead CDC-funded programs, such as um, becoming an HAI or flu coordinator. And then we even have a few alumni that are serving as state or deputy state epidemiologists. So we are proud of our alumni who continue to not only stay engaged in public health, but also serving in leadership capacities to really move forward into 21st century public health practice. Do you find that most of the graduating fellows stick with the 
health department route or do some of them go federal with CDC, military, uh, EIS, fellowship? Yeah, so most of them stay either at their health department or another one. We do have a few go into CDC occasionally, um, or, you know, they go into CDC later on, um, but that an immediate um, postgraduate time period, oftentimes they are staying within the health department sector. Um, the other uh, option you said was going if they go into EIS, and I would say, our fellows have not gone into EIS. Uh, our Applied Epidemiology Fellowship Program mirrors EIS um, in the way it's rigorous two years of training with mentorship and professional development. However, our program is more for that master's level experience and working in the field, whereas EIS, they do have some in the field, but also at CDC headquarters, um, but that's really more for those that have received doctoral training and want to be at um, those levels. Okay, great comparison. So this fellowship program is definitely aimed to for people working uh, in health departments or who want to work in health departments. Yes, definitely. I would say most of our fellows do transition straight into the program from completing their MPH or other qualifying degree. Can you speak on the most common reasons why somebody might not get accepted or match into a fellowship at CSCE? Yes, so the application process is quite competitive. Um, even though we've been able to increase how many fellows we're accepting in the last couple of years, I think last year's class was at 55, which is our largest ever. Um, we do have several candidates who don't get accepted. Um, part of that might be they do not meet the program eligibility criteria, which requires having a master's in epi or public health or an advanced degree in a related field, such as Heather with her DDM. They need to have completed at least four graduate level epidemiology courses and at least one graduate level biostatistics course, have demonstrated analytical skills, and then really have that desire to pursue a long-term career at state or local health departments. And through the process, they have a written application with personal statement. Those applications are reviewed and then we have an interview phase. And so um, those that interview successfully are then moved into matching where they interview the host sites. And so oftentimes the fellowship is not the only thing they are interested in applying to. And we do get some really great candidates. And so through that process and the timing of it, Frequently, we will have some great candidates drop out and choosing to pursue other opportunities, or we'll have an, an option where um, they interview with host sites, but they weren't the host site's first choice for any of their interviews, and other people were, and so they may kind of fall out. Um, in that case, when funding is available, we're able to move them to an a subsequent round of matching, um, but if funding is not sufficient um, to support them, we're not then able to select them. Um, but that gets a little tricky there, but we do our best to honor those matches that are one-to-one -one so that the host site is the candidate's first choice and the candidate is the host site's first choice. Um, and that really shows that there's some transparency and agreement on understanding what that learning experience can be and that the 
candidate has the skills they need to be successful in working in that subject area. Okay, great. I was going to ask about more specifics on the matching process, but you did a really good job explaining that. So with the matching process, if I am, let's say, a candidate who is really dead set on staying in Kansas City or dead set on staying in Washington, D.C., would this fellowship program be a good idea or do you think it might kind of just end in disappointment uh, versus a candidate who's more open to moving cities or just kind of staying in the region of the country versus a very specific city? So the available placement sites depends on the host sites that apply and that changes every year. Um, so if you know it's a program you'd want to participate in and you do have some restricted geographic preferences, I encourage you to reach out to the health department that might be nearby and ask if they're submitting an application so that you can start that process early. Um, alternatively, we do post our host site billets, which is the description of them um, throughout as we're getting them. And so oftentimes you'll have a list or an idea of the sites. Um, we try to do it before the fellow application closes. However, if it's a very um, low populated area, um, we do have more that are centric to say where um, the state health departments are located and um, urban centers or in cities. And so we do have a little bit more options in that area. But I wouldn't say that you should be discouraged if you do have some geographic preferences or restrictions from applying. I think that oftentimes opportunities may arise and unexpectedly, and sometimes that match works. Um, and if there's not that opportunity either, um, you know, we look for other options or making those networking connections to help them find opportunities. And Maddie, I can also speak to this um, because I was that person. Um, I was located in Denver and I was not able to relocate. And so um, when I applied um, the description for the CDPHE infectious disease fellow, um, well, I don't know what word I'm looking for, the description of the, of the fellow activities, I guess, on the um, billet list that Jessica talked about online. So I looked at that and said, oh my gosh, that's perfect. Um, I realize I'm putting literally all my eggs in one basket because I'm not able to relocate. And this is the only um, fellowship opportunity in Denver that I am interested in. But I went ahead and applied anyway, just to see. Um, and I, I got really lucky in that I did end up matching with that department. Um, I can't say that that's how it would happen for everyone, but I would certainly say that um, if there's a really good opportunity and you can't relocate, but you're interested in it, I think it's worth reaching out and, and asking questions and potentially applying. Um, when I first was thinking about CSTE, I stopped by the CSTE booth at the APHA conference, the American Public Health Association conference. Um, and I talked with some people there because I was really worried that I would get matched to a place that I couldn't go to and I would have to let somebody down or, you know, say no or decline. Um, and the woman that I talked to made me feel incredibly a hundred times better um, when she told me that, you know, they, we would never match you to a place that you couldn't go. Um, so I, I think it's worth trying 
um, if it's something that you're interested in and, and the opportunity um, is available. Before we go, I'm going to ask, uh, do you guys have any tips or general comments or anything you want to add about CSE, about the fellowship and the, the best type of people to apply or yeah, just all of that general information? I can get started. Um, so regardless if you're interested in the fellowship or not, but you're interested in a career in applied epidemiology, I would encourage you to explore becoming a CST member. Um, student fee is $30 a year. And if you're a current professional, it's just $60 a year. And th that allows you to engage with the communities of practice across all subject areas, um, participate in our election process, and even the networking, it also includes access to the Journal of Public Health Management and Practice, and then discounts for our CST annual conference registration. Uh, it's, as I mentioned, those training programs earlier, um, they're not exclusive to just CST members, but CST members are the first to know about them and be able to network and share those lessons learned across their practice. So highly recommend becoming a CST member. Um, all of the funds that we receive from individual dues actually goes towards our advocacy work. So things like um, advocating for the data modernization initiative and additional funding for CDC or student loan repayment, it comes directly from those individual dues. I'd say that otherwise, as you're looking to continue to explore careers in applied epidemiology, you know, our website has a vast amount of resources to support practice. So even if you don't become a member, we have a learning management system with available courses. We have resources and guides for scientific writing, uh, evaluation for epidemiologists, as well as many subject area resources. So like a, the C4 Council, we also have our um, Council to Inform Food Bring foodborne outbreak and response guidelines. So training on the job. So if you're looking for resources or training, CST is it. And if you're looking for networking in a community of practice among other EPIs, CSE is your professional home. So I would encourage you to join. Um, and I, I would just add um, a little bit onto what Jessica talked about, especially through networking, um, just being in this field and being able to wear different hats um, is a huge advantage for networking um, in epidemiology, in your state health department, um, and then in just the public health world in general as well. Um, so that is something that I've really, really appreciated as a fellow is just the, the huge amount of um, networking that I've been able to do as a fellow. Thank you guys so much for all of that information and for taking time to interview with EpiCentral. Um, so where can students find or professionals find more information about CST and the fellowships? So more information about CST can be found online at cst.org. And more information about the Applied Epidemiology Fellowship Program would be cstfellows.org. Um, so additionally, there are contact information there. So if anyone has questions, feel free to reach out. Um, and I'm also happy to provide my email address, Maddie, uh, if people would like to ask me questions about the fellowship, I'm happy to 
respond. Oh my gosh, Heather, thank you so much. That'll be amazing. Uh, students, a lot of students just don't have the connections mm-hmm. in public health before they start their MPH, especially. Um, and I'm sure even students getting their MPH would really appreciate more connections and contacts. So yeah, if you could provide your email, I am sure people will be utilizing that. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I love talking to students. Um, I like to pay it forward that way because I, I definitely leaned heavily on a lot of people um, in my MPH. So um, I'll shoot you an email with my um, non-state email address that will stay active. Well, that concludes this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening and supporting. This podcast is doing actually better than I expected it would just in the last six or so months that I've been doing it. So I really appreciate it. And I hope everybody has a great week. Bye. (laughs) 